Have you ever bathed in the forest? I don't mean setting up a tub and filling it full of water and scrubbing your back and your toes and all that. I mean what is called forest bathing, or in Japanese, Shinrin-yoku. Now, if you've listened to my podcast for a while, you might have heard me mention Shinrin-yoku once or twice. But today, I have a true expert in the field, Robin Hancock. She is a trained and certified forest bathing guide, one of only 2,700 in the entire world. So if you're interested at all in reconnecting with nature, which you're already a part of, just we tend to separate ourselves, then give a listen to this particular podcast. Robin has a great deal to tell you, and I'm sure you'll find it interesting and intriguing. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the podcast. The Full Spectrum Holistic Health Podcast is all about holistic health. What it is, various holistic and alternative health therapies and practices, and how those may help you to be a healthier person. I want to thank you for choosing to listen today. We know there are many podcasts out there for you to choose from, but I'm glad you are here. I'm host for the podcast, Dr. Anthony Burton. I'm a Reiki master, EFT therapist, meditation teacher, sound therapist, and a shamanic practitioner. My personal goal is to help people be healthier in mind, body, and spirit. And that's why I'm here. A large part of what I do is educational in nature because so many people are unaware of the power and efficacy of various holistic and alternative therapies. In these podcast episodes, you will hear information that will inform you, perhaps enlighten you, and help energize and balance you. Of course, it won't always be simply my opinions and ideas. Occasionally, I will be interviewing knowledgeable and interesting guests from a variety of areas of holistic, complementary, and even allopathic health practices. So, kick back, relax, open your mind, and listen. Spectrum Holistic Health is a complementary health and wellness business located in Northwest Georgia, USA. Check out the website at www.spectrum-holistic.com for more information. Robin Hancock grew up and spent most of her adult life in the metro Atlanta area. She moved to LJ, Georgia in May of 2023. She has two grown children and three grandchildren, all of whom are very hard. She spent 30 years working for the state of Georgia as a public servant and has recently retired for the second time from the pet sitting and dog walking business. Because of her love for nature and the outdoors, Robin became a certified guide with the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy in November 2016. As a member of the sixth cohort trained through this organization, she is one of the first 50 guides certified globally in a current network of more than 2,700 guides in 62 countries around the world. As an outdoor enthusiast, Robin has always been aware of the benefits intrinsic to being in nature. While experiencing profound personal losses over the course of a few years, 
Robin naturally turned to the forest for comfort and spiritual retreat. It was there that she discovered the wisdom that resides there, or rather within herself, as her spirit was quieted enough to listen. That was her gift from the forest. As the owner of her own business, Renewal by Nature, Robin offers guided experiences to lead others toward that same type of wholeness. The forest is the therapist, but Robin opens the door. Now, Robin, welcome to Full Spectrum Holistic Health. Thanks for having me today, Tony. I'm happy to have you. You know, I've seen uh, a lot of your pictures online, uh, photographs, I guess, you take outside your home in LJ. Right. And beautiful stuff. Your deer and all the other animals that come up there, great shots. I love the one that you had recently, I think it was a fawn uh, being nursed by its mom. Yeah, that yeah. Was very, it was very really cool. very special. Yeah. As a holistic health practitioner and an energy therapist, I have known about Forest Baby for a few years. I even did a, a brief podcast on Shinrin Yoku um, a while back, but I can approach your level of knowledge and training in this therapeutic and uh, healing modality. So I am eager to hear you explain more about this. So to start off, why don't you tell us about exactly what forest bathing is and where it originated and why? Okay, well, um, forest bathing is the literal translation of the Japanese term Shinrin-yoku. And um, so that translates into English as forest bathing or being immersed in um, natural surroundings. And um, what I do basically is take people out. Um, The the short way to explain this is that I take people out into natural environments and it's about a three hour experience during which I offer a series of invitations for them to experience nature through their senses, get them out of their head and into their bodies. Sounds very very soothing. It is, yes. Yeah. Now, Shinrin-yoku is a Japanese word, so that means, uh, I'm assuming that forest bathing came from Japan. Is forest bathing practiced in the West in the same way or very similar to how it's practiced in Japan? Because I know that many healing practices do change as they migrate between cultures, like yoga in India is different from yoga in the West, uh, in America, uh, and Reiki the same way. So. Can you tell me about that? So, yeah, in Japan, um, it was actually started by the Japanese government. Um, If you remember the tech boom in the 1980s, uh, people were literally working themselves to death. That term, I think there's a term for it. Um, Kuroshi, I think, is the way you pronounce that. And um, people were literally dropping dead of heart attacks and uh, stroke due to stress and not eating. They would just drop dead at work, basically, at, at their desk. And so the Japanese, I know it sounds odd, like we don't work that way in the United States, but um, the Japanese government wanted to do something about that. So they um, took big forests that they, I guess they already had, and they designated certain ones as a forest bathing or Shinrin-yoku trails. And they would have like instructions along the way about how people could get immersed in their natural surroundings so they're not guided the way they are here i was trained by the association of nature and forest therapy um, that was founded by a fellow named amos clifford 
And he realized that shinrin-yoku or force bathing needed to be westernized because we accept things a little bit differently than yeah. they do in the East. So he took it. Um, he has some therapy background and stuff like that as a counselor. So he kind of took what he knew from from just his life experience and developed what we call a standard sequence in which the guide offers invitations in varying kind of, there's a progression, in other words, to the invitations. So the first two invitations are always the same, but uh, there's invitations, the participants go out and do the invitation however they see fit. There's no right or wrong way to do that. They all come back together and then share um, what their experience is based on prompt, uh, prompts. And then um, there's a series of those anywhere from say four to six in a standard walk. And then we end with a little tea ceremony. And it's not as formal as you would have, you know, as a Japanese tea ceremony. Again, it's just a very kind of casual informal tea ceremony. But that's the way it was kind of, you know, westernized was to give it more of a, just more of a, not even a therapy feel, but just more of a some some guidance along the way, mm-hmm. rather than it being a solo experience. Yeah, I think that many Americans prefer a structured um, experience. Not all, but many do. I, and I was going to ask you about the invitations because I wasn't really sure about exactly what an invitation is. So. Can you describe one invitation to me? Tell me what it's about. Yes. I think one of my favorite invitations, and, and you know, I do invite people to go out and have conversations with trees and, you know, notice textures and things like that. But I think my very favorite invitation is called imaginary bouquet. And unlike, you know, going out into your garden and, and you know, clipping flowers and gathering a bouquet or buying one at the grocery store. You can put anything in your imaginary bouquet. So I invite people to just wander. And anytime that they notice something that they really just are drawn to, they can put it in their imaginary bouquet and come back to the circle with that. So it can be something like the clouds against the blue sky on a, on a beautiful fall day or the rolling terrain um so it can be anything it doesn't have like to be a bird anything song to, or something yes or even sounds sounds okay. and and textures and things like that so anything can go in an imaginary wow. okay that's and that's one experience. yeah that's yeah. one of the reasons i really really love um to invite people to do that because the options are limitless mm-hmm. so the typical bathing experience you said would be would have some of these invitations in it and uh, you're going to be out for how long now? Well, it's a three-hour walk. And how far are people walking? It, it's it's not strenuous at all. It can be done um, literally in a parking lot as long as there's trees. But, but generally, um, I do them in parks or along a trail. We typically don't go further than a, than a quarter of a mile. No. Um, some walks I've done, they're, they're more challenging. Um, from point A to point B along a path and mm-hmm. and those can be a little bit more challenging because um, I have to kind of gauge the distance between you know that each invita- invitation will take from the beginning to the end typically it's more like a hub 
I send people out and back. Mm, um, we okay. might change locations once or twice during a walk like that, but typically it's in the same area. Oh, okay. So say an acre might be a typical um, area that we might span over the over yeah. the walk. Well, it sounds like the kind of thing that anyone could participate in. So the walk through nature, primarily through wooded areas. Now, what about people with limited mobility? People with, you know, walkers or wheelchairs or canes. You know, how how do they do? So, so that's a good question. Typically, what I do when I do my public walks and schedule those um, in the fall and in the spring, there are venues that I know are accessible, and I I'm always sure to schedule a walk at one of those venues that are accessible so that people with you know without uh, abilities like i have um, i have to remember that not everybody has the same ability they're able to to participate at at least one of those venues hmm. now so when you choose these locations these are uh, you, you already have places that you have agreements with like or, uh, organizations to use their their land or their property or their park right i always um get permission from the property manager that's something that um was included in my training mm -hmm. um, we don't want to be trespassing of course so oftentimes they'll be at city or county parks or even private property there's somebody over in near blairsville that i am going to partner with and do walks on her property she's given me permission to well, that's do that nice. Yeah, that's really nice, and I and I try to partner with people like that, and it and without sounding um, like I never do this, I'll say that working with counties and cities sometimes becomes a little bit bureaucratic. Oh, tell and me about so it. <laughs> so um, I'm dealt with that. So right, so sometimes it's easier to, and not always. I mean, some cities I I did walks um, in Atlanta at. Within in Atlanta city parks and DeKalb County parks, and they were lovely to work with. Sometimes there's like private gardens that are delighted for me to do walks there. Dunwoody Nature Center is a place that solicited me to come do walks mm. there. Woodlands Garden of Decatur, which is a nonprofit organization, was delighted when I approached them about that, and I still get to those two venues. Um, as I can now that I've moved to LJ, it's not as convenient, but oh, yeah. I still get down that way. But I'm developing new relationships and partnerships in the LJ and North Georgia area as well. Well, I know what you mean about dealing with government organizations. They're not not that they're bad, but they are sort of hidebound at times, and they're stuck within within what they perceive to be the rules. Like I've offered to do free meditation classes at a local library. They have a, a resource room. Mm -hmm. And it's not always used. And I said, look, I could, I could come in and do, do free meditation. No, you're a business. Well, yeah, but I'm not charging anything. Right, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, sometimes it's difficult dealing with local governments. So when someone does uh, or participates in a forest bathing experience, do, uh, do you include the practice of earthing? Um, earthing is um, not really a part of forest bathing, although I do invite people and I model this. As long as it's not freezing cold and the mm -hmm. and the grounds safe enough, I often I, I usually wear sandals to mm -hmm. my forest bathing walk, so they're easy to slip on and off. Right. And I invite people to do that if they want to. So that's that's an added benefit that yeah. we can tack onto it, but it's not 
really, you not know, really it's part not of part it. of it okay. necessarily. The earthing, yeah, it's a very wonderful practice. I know that I've encouraged people to do that. People who are feeling like they're just not centered. You know, even if they just want to go out in their backyard and lie down on the ground for 10 minutes. Right. Just lie in the grass. It's very, yeah, then that's a lot of contact with the earth. Um, I do that from time to time. I'll be out in the woods and I just literally lay down just to get, you know, as yeah. much contact as possible. Of course, in the summertime, we do have chiggers here in the south. So. We do. You have to be careful. <laughs> Avoid the pine straw, please. Just leaves are always a better idea. For yeah, that true. Well, what sort of benefits can a person receive from forest bathing? I mean, do you have any uh, favorite stories of the results of forest bathing that you could share with us? Did I violate anyone's privacy? Or yeah, no, I can I can talk about some of that. So um, the, the things that have been medically proven are um, just that our biometrics improve. Our, and this is a lasting improvement. So mm -hmm. people that spend um, a few hours out in the forest, um, even if you're just like camping and not really doing it, doing it intentionally, mm -hmm. your blood pressure lowers, your pulse rate lowers, your heart rate variability improves, which means that the numbers get bigger on that. That's actually a good thing for your heart right. rate variability to, yeah, so to be if higher. You, if you are exerting yourself, your heart rate should go higher. And if you're not exerting yourself, your heart rate should go lower. That's the variability aspect. Well, and then it's within the beat within, as well. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a difference in the in the um, spacing of the beat or something mm -hmm. like and that. And the waveform, the yeah. sinus rhythm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't understand all the scientific part, but I know that that's, that's part of it. And so, um, and so those biometrics improve. There have been people that have reported things. So I always send out or I try to send out an email afterwards. And a lot of times, you know, thanking people for coming mm -hmm. to the walk-in. Oftentimes I get anecdotal stories back. One of my favorites is that um, a woman told me that the walk was on a Saturday. And she told me that she always goes to the store on Sunday morning to the grocery store that she hated to go to the grocery store. It was a chore that she absolutely just detested doing. So she reported that she had gone to the grocery store and gotten back home the next morning after the forest bathing walk. And she realized that she hadn't gotten all up tight at the grocery oh. store, that it hadn't seemed like such a chore. And she was in her kitchen putting away the groceries and said, oh my gosh, like, you know, thought to herself, I didn't hate that. <laughs> Which was, you know, that's a that's a big win for some people. It is. Oh yeah, because well, shopping in general can be such a uh, real terror for some people. Right. Uh, I know that I am one of those people who hates holiday shopping. Right. Because I hate going into a mall or someplace like that and being stuck in the crowd. It just feels and, so frantic, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like you're stuck in there and you can't really leave easily. Right. But, but she had been put, you know, she was in this mindset still from the walk the day before. Mm -hmm. but she just kind of like everything rolled off her back, it seems like. So um, things like that have happened. Um, I heard from someone who, um, actually I heard about this during a walk, that someone um, during the walk, and I think it was during a conversation with a tree, that she decided to leave a relationship that wasn't working for her any longer. You know... People here, and, and what I think it is really, Tony, is that people, when they get quiet enough to listen to themselves, that they, that they, it, it, it matters, like, they can just become still enough 
they can hear that inner voice. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's what this person heard that morning, really. Um, and, 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 you know, in talk, having a conversation with a tree, of course, if you're verbalizing something out loud to a tree, the tree's not judging, right? So I think people really open up and once you verbalize something and get it out, and then you hear what you're saying. You hear yourself. You hear yourself. Yeah. And um, so that that was that was something that was really re rewarding to me as a guide. Um, that I realized that 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 I had guided this person to leave a, a relationship, and I and I believe it was an abusive relationship. I'm not certain, but um, whatever the reason, it was a valid reason, and that person was able to make that decision that they needed to make. Yeah, you know. I'm a shamanic practitioner, mm -hmm. and from my own experiences, communing with nature as a shamanic practitioner, I, I know that such encounters with nature and the energies that dwell in the forest can often be very emotional. Uh, it can be enlightening, uh, sometimes a little bit disturbing. Mm -hmm. um, I once sat beside this big old oak tree, huge, as a matter of fact, it was a double oak tree. Mm -hmm. two that had grown together and each one was really big I could barely span it with my arms and I was very sad at the time about something and so I I spoke with the uh, oak tree and she spoke back to me and I received her wisdom and I quite literally sat there and sobbed because I realized what she was saying to me was truth mm -hmm. and it was good advice and so I'm assuming that this sort of thing that you just got, you just told me about, was that sort of thing. Yes, know? yes, and and um, and I and I do believe that trees have wisdom. Think about how old some of these trees are and what they've seen, mm -hmm. and what they've you know what's gone on around them, and and the and the fact that they're stationary is it really kind of leads to me that's. Um, it's really special because they're reliant on on what's been brought to them in a way um, but yet they they just they're, they're sturdy and they've always been there and I think that there's just a special connection when we when we can be welcomed by a tree enough to sit and talk with it I, I do think that it can impart its wisdom on us well you know scientists have in the last few years come to know that trees communicate with one another through the network of mycelium. Yeah. You know, yeah. the mushroom fibers that are all down in the ground. Right, we right. Most of the time people think about a mushroom, they think about the fruiting body that's above the ground. Right. You know, the little white or red or orange or whatever thing that they see growing on a tree or stump or, a, or out of the earth. They don't realize that there are hundreds of miles of mycelium fibers underneath the soil that right. act like nerves they facilitate and that they communication. facilitate that communication between the various plants and it's it's amazing how much nature does uh, talk with uh, share information among right. all of its its living things yeah. Yeah. if a tree has is being attacked by say an insect it will actually put out a signal to other trees right so that they can emit a chemical barrier then against that insect and so they they do they help guard each other um and then and then the mother trees also 
you know, guard the saplings. And then when the mother tree, it's time for her to, you know, uh, fall and, and she continues to feed the earth mm -hmm. right through the decay. Um, but that allows the, 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 the baby trees, the saplings to have their chance at being the new mother trees. And so I think that's a really neat cycle. I think it is too. Food for thought. Yep. Well, how often do you lead these forest bathing excursions and how does a person go about being part of one? Are, are they are they seasonal or do you hold them year round? Well, typically um, in Atlanta, I did them in the fall and in the spring. The winters can get, you know, winters are iffy. You can have really, really cold days in the winter and mild days in the winter. So that's kind of mm. hard to schedule those. Um, and and people in Atlanta aren't as prepared for cold weather as they are, say, in North Georgia. So um, and the other thing that happens is in the city, it's a, it's a bit warmer than it is here. So, so typically I, I schedule walks in the fall and in the spring. But now that I'm in LJ, um, I'll probably consider doing them sporadically year round. I'm still doing a couple in Atlanta here and there. And I've got a couple of conversations going with people who are property owners here. Um, they're always out on my website under Book a Walk, and that's um, just how to how to find walks. Occasionally, they'll be advertised in little, you know, like little city or county mm. newsletters as well. Little so, flyers that you pick up outside restaurants yeah, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, just various places like that. But but my website always has them, and I also have a Facebook presence, and you can just look that up. Mm. Um, Renewal well, by I'm nature. definitely going to put your website in the. Uh, the notes, the text notes for the podcast. Oh, great. Yeah, Thank yeah, you so yeah. much. Um, you know, some people don't like to walk in the rain. Uh, and I pro you probably encounter that sometimes. But for me, I have always loved walking in the rain. Of course, it can get messy. But if you're in the forest, it shouldn't be too much mud. It's mostly, you know, uh, the ground is covered with leaves right. or needles or whatever. But I love the smell of the earth after the rain. It's called petrichor. Yeah. And I love that, that, I like the word, but I love the smell yep. of the earth it, after rain. It's a special smell. And, and I'm glad that you talked about weather because dangerous, you know, hazardous weather is something I will cancel a walk for. Oh, yeah. But if it's just going to rain, um, I love, because it opens up a whole new possibility for invitations, like mm -hmm. the raindrops, right? And so I just tell people to, you know, bring, a, bring an umbrella, put a raincoat on if you want to. Come on, we're going to do it anyway. And some of my most delightful walks have actually been in the rain. And I, too, I'll go hiking in the rain. I just put on a, on a weatherproof running cap and, and head out to the woods. And it is a special smell. Um, my dog, actually, I can't hardly take her for a hike after it's rained because she's too busy sniffing to yeah, it, want to make make much progress down the trail so um i think it livens up the smells <laughs> it does i think it kind of like you know it, it moistens everything and it brings the smells up so um yeah I, that is a really special time to me it's like a culmination of all the elements much like and it's kind of a metaphor too of what happens when um to me what happens to people during a forest bathing walk is bringing our our spiritual our body you know our souls mm -hmm. our minds and our bodies all together in one place in one practice and it it 
it um, offers a wholeness. There's a wholeness in that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we're just in our in our bodies, say if we're out running along a trail, we might be just in our bodies. Or if we're... Um, our minds could be somewhere else totally. Yeah, or our maybe minds listening can, to music. Right. Yeah. And there, Or sometimes we're just in our head and we don't even notice anything else. Um, or we might be, you know, in the middle of a spiritual practice and we kind of like all we're doing is that spiritual thing at the moment. But to me, when we're out forest bathing and it and it brings people like just reconnects us with nature and think about it. We are nature. Yeah. So when we get reconnected to that, it's like um, remembering. There's a remembering in that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we've been extracted from that for so long from you know our food sources and just living in nature that when we get reconnected there's a remembering and to me that brings brings everything back together for us i agree with you i agree with you wholeheartedly we we don't need to uh, have everything wrapped in cellophane right right you know? well i want to thank you very sincerely for taking the time to speak with me and to share some of your experience as a forest bathing guide with all my listeners. Now, my friends, you can find out much more information about these forest bathing experiences by going to Robin's website. I'm going to have it in print on the description for the, the podcast, but I'll tell you it's www.renewal-by-nature.com. And I want to encourage you to drop by there. And, and there is contact information there, right, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. It's in my footer. Um, there's my email address there as well as my phone number. You can call or text that phone number. And um, if I don't answer, I'll call you right back if you leave a message. Okay. And you have, you said you have a Facebook presence as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you can just um, type in Renewal by Nature. There's my logo is a little kind of a green multicolored flower of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you'll you'll know it's it's you've gotten to the right page when you see that. Okay, well that sounds great. I want to thank you again, and uh, yeah, maybe I get a chance to participate in one of your well, one of your walks yeah, someday. Thanks, Tony, and I hope that you can make one one of these days. I I am planning on scheduling a few here, so I'll let you know about those. Great, thank you. Thanks for having me today. I want to thank you for being here and listening to the podcast today. I hope it's been interesting and informative and thought-provoking. If you did find it interesting, please be sure to return for another episode and tell your friends about it too. I appreciate if you do that. You can share directly from most podcast platforms and subscribing to the podcast would be great. If you want to tell me you like the show or that you hated it, that you agree or disagree with me or anything else, really, go for it. Just leave a message for me on your podcast platform. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep an open mind. Namaste.